0: This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. If you would, turn with me to Matthew 22. Matthew 22. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank You, Lord, that You're always with us just as You've promised in Your Word. Father, um, we're thankful for Your presence, for the indwelling power of Your Spirit, not only with us, but in us. Lord, we're thankful that we're Yours we're thankful, Father, that You're in control of all that is going on around us, all that is affecting us. It's all within Your sovereign reach, all within Your sovereign control and all part of Your plan. And Lord, we pray that You use uh, things, the fence, even Trials that we face in our life to draw us closer to You. Lord, we pray that our love for You increase and that our love for one another increases so that in all things Your name is honored and glorified. So that we may more and more accurately reflect Your character and Your glory. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, amen. Uh, we're going to pick up where we left off this morning, uh, Matthew twenty-two and verse thirty-four. Just take a few more verses here, and, Lord willing, finish uh, this this chapter next uh, next Sunday. Uh, it it is amazing, and I think only the and I, and I don't say that lightly. And I know you would either. It's amazing. God's word is amazing. It's amazing you spend this much time in a book and and still you don't get it all. (laughs) There is so much more that could be said uh, in all that we've covered. But uh, anyway, we just pray that we get what God wants us to have for right now. And we'll we'll always be uh, digging and learning more. Verse 34, Matthew 22, verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of His Word. Well, you might uh, call, uh, really both of these, uh, especially the first, you might call this the impossible commandment. Um, I was remember in, in discussion with a friend, it's uh, been a few years back, and we were having a uh, 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 discussion about God's sovereignty. And, you know, he, he rejected the idea of uh, God's absolute sovereignty. He, and he's... he's young man, uh, I'm not sure exactly what he's doing now, but at the time he was planning to go into the the ministry. And and, um, anyway, we were having this ongoing kind of discussion. And one of his arguments was, uh, God would never command you to do something that you cannot do. And of course, he's applying that to repentance. You know, uh, God commands all men everywhere to repent. Therefore, the conclusion is, they must be able to do it. And so he was you know, arguing, God would not tell you to do something you cannot do. And so I, I said, well, let me ask you a question. Do you love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength? And he said, Yes. And I said, you do? Really? Are you sure? He said, well, yes, in, in Christ. you know. In other words, he was trying to say Christ had enabled him to do that. In Christ, I do. <clears throat> I said, no, you don't. No, you don't. And yet, the Scriptures commanded you to do that. Now, I don't know if he ever believed me or not on that, but I, but I guarantee he doesn't, and I guarantee I don't, and none of us do. And yet, we're commanded... To do it. And Jesus refers to this as the first. That is, it's, it's the, the primary, the, the, the priority, the first and great commandment. Here, here again, they're, they're trying to ensnare Him, trying to put Him to the test, verse 35 tells us. Uh, this time, once again, it's Pharisees. They saw that Jesus in His wisdom had put the, uh, the, the Sadducees to silence. They were unable to, to overcoming and uh, overcome Him. And like I said this morning... Though the Pharisees and Sadducees did not think favorably of each other, one thing uh, they they could unify on was um, bringing down Jesus. They were unified in that effort. And so here again, the Sadducees had failed, and now once again the Pharisees uh, stepped forward, in this case a, a lawyer, uh, I'm, uh, rather, asked him a question testing him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Now, I'm not exactly sure what his motive here is, Uh, I'm sure, uh, you know, just assume he's trying to pit one thing against another. But tell us what you consider to be the greatest commandment in the law. And Jesus said, it's this, and it is a commandment, what I was referring to a moment ago. We're commanded to do this. Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Now, that's a... That is a command or a commandment from uh, uh, the Shema, the Deuteron- Deuteronomy six. If uh, read a little bit of that, turn there if you want to. Deuteronomy six, verses four through nine, I think, is what they usually quote. Uh, they used to do uh, uh, in a, as a daily practice. Jews, practicing you still do. Verse four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Now this is where Jesus is quoting from. And notice the little variation as well, where Jesus says, mine, here it says, strength. And these words, verse 6, These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Boy, this is something uh, for us to keep in mind as, as a, a practical application, because this is still enforced, by the way. Teach, teach our children God's Word. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. That is, it's not, it's not a uh, one hour on Sunday or, or even two or three hours a week at specific times this This is a way of life, loving, God's, loving God and loving his word and and teaching it. And all of that, what we just read in deuteronomy, I think is is an expression of, of, of love for God, if that's done faithfully. So Jesus says, this is the primary commandment. this is number one, the priority and by the way, it's not one of the not one of the ten, is it? I mean, you might think that he would have gone to one of the Ten Commandments for these for these, uh, these two, but neither one of them uh, are one of the ten, although they sum them up. You can, you can basically reduce all of the Old Testament law, or you just say it this way, you can basically reduce all of God's law to a summation of found in the Ten Commandments. They cover all the bases. But then again, you can reduce that even more to the two we have here. In fact, that's what he says in verse 40, basically. This is a summation of all of God's law. And the priority, the primary one, is to love God with all your heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. John MacArthur says the Hebrew word for love, there in Deuteronomy 6, uh, speaks of a determined... Care, determined care for, for someone else. I want us to keep that in mind because uh, often the definition that I use for love um, uh, consists of two words, but I think they, they kind of fit well into that idea of determined care. The two words of these are two uh, descriptive words. love is a, a, an action, but it's also an, an affection. That is, it's something we do, but it's heartfelt. I think that's important to remember uh, when when you think about the biblical idea behind love, because a lot of times there's uh, there's an either or approach. Some people want to say well, love is love is just a feeling. That is, it's an affection, an emotion. You have no control over that. You know, I can't help who I love. So there again, we would run into a problem, right? Because the problem of God commanding us to do something we can't do. In fact, I've heard that objection before. How can I be commanded to love somebody? I can't control who I love. On the other hand, some want to say, well, uh, love is not a, not a feeling. It's not an affection. Love is an action. That's why Jesus says that you're to you're to love your enemy by giving them... A drink when they're thirsty? Or clothing them when they're in need of clothing? Because that's genuine love. You do something for them. Well, I would just say that, that both are true. It's an affection and it's an action. It's it's action that is, that is heartfelt. Yes, we certainly do. But we want to do because we have compassion, or because we have affection. In the case with God, we we love Him from the heart. So, it's a determined care. It's a willful act. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now, I want to... uh, Point out what I think is a, a, a little bit of, of distinction between these three terms heart, soul, and mind. But at the same time, uh, I want to try to make it clear. I don't think he's really saying, he's not talking about three compartments of your person or of your personality or what personhood. It's three separate areas. So you got your heart, you got your soul, and you got your mind. Love God with each of those. Not really. This, this is a way of saying love God with everything within you, with all aspects of your being. But I do think there are a little bit of little bit of there's a little bit of nuance here, a little bit of distinction to be made. So for example, Jesus says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Well he's he's not talking about the organ, the physical organ that pumps blood, so what is he talking about? He's talking about the core of our being. Who we are at the at the deepest at the deepest level. And this is the same thing we reference a lot of times when we use this word uh, radical. You've you know you've heard uh, that word thrown around a lot. You've heard me use it in different contexts, and I usually try to explain it uh, this way. Uh, the term radical comes from a, from a Latin word which means to the root. So when we talk about being a, a, a radical for Christ or being radically affected by the gospel, what we mean is it has it has affected us to the core, to the root, or we could say it using this language to our very heart. So at our at our deepest level, our the core of who we are, we belong to God, and our love for God ought to flow out of that. It's the same word, cardiac. Here that that well it's, it's used throughout the New Testament, but just for example, uh, as a similar use, uh, uh, a parallel you might say to this uh, passage. Um, in describing it, remember Jesus saying, "It's out of the out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks." What's what's he mean when he says that? Out of the the core of who you are. Who you really are, down deep, whoever you really are there, that's, that's what comes out of, your, out of your mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, what the heart is full of, out of there the mouth speaks. So, it's that, that same idea, I think. That, that same place, if you will, or that same aspect of our being. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. And notice the word "all" I mean he's talking about a a fullness there fullness of dedication and commitment and with all your soul now I think of uh, the magnificat you know mary Mary is informed by the angel that she's going to have a child be used of God to bring the Christ into the world. And her response is, my soul magnifies the Lord. And this word, incidentally, is used in different ways. uh, but, But that would be an example, I would say, of the same thing Jesus is talking about here. So it may be a little more focused on the emotions. But again, Deeply, we're not talking about any kind of surface level. We're getting down to who we are and where where we as a person and where our uh, emotions are most affected. My soul magnifies the Lord, Mary says. She's she, that's that's not just an empty chorus she's singing. She's meaning she is is greatly and deeply moved by the work of God to the point of uh, exalting Him, magnifying Him, because she's grateful, thankful for what He's doing. So Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, so that at the very core of your being and, and with all of your emotions, you're fully engaged and fully dedicated to God. So when we say, for example, when we speak of a heartfelt love, again, that's referring to something, something deep, something radical at the very basis of who we are. Shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. I find that one interesting. Uh, Well, they all are. But but interesting in in today's context when, when so many want to disengage the mind. They think it's necessary to disengage the mind in order to participate in some kind of genuine worship or love for God. You know, just quit thinking, get the mind out of the way, shut the mind down, shut the mind off so that you can focus on God. It's an impossibility. Not only is it an impossibility, it's disobedience. (laughs) It's disobedience. Because we're commanded to love God with all of our mind, just like we're commanded to love Him with all of our heart and with all of our soul. Well, what is the mind I'll tell you one thing, it's not. It's not the brain. That's, that's a physical part of our body, the brain. Um, Rex Blankenship made the statement one time, <coughs> and I guess I just hadn't thought about it in this light, it just kind of hit me, but you can think without, without a brain. And some of us are thinking, boy, I'm glad of that. <laughs> No, you can. Have you ever thought about that? You can think without a brain. Think about Lazarus uh, and the rich man, for example, Jesus' story. A conversation going on after death. When their their minds are fully at work. And the brain is dead. That's the case of every soul in the presence of the Lord at this point. Because we haven't had the bodily resurrection yet. And so anybody in the presence of Christ, uh, in, a, in a conscious state in the presence of Christ, is functioning and thinking without a brain. So it's not the brain. You know, if, we, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll connect it too much. Uh, not that it's not related, but if we're not careful, we'll connect it too much to the, to the physical, to the brain. And uh, uh, boy, that that is... Uh, That kind of thinking is definitely shoved at us uh, uh, by the scientific world. All of your thoughts, all of your emotions, all of your anxieties and fears, all of your love even, is nothing but the result of bodily chemicals and electrodes firing in your brain. I mean, that's what they tell us. Well... I don't think so. The mind here is is not the brain; it's something apart from the brain, and and it, it has to do with our with our thinking, our understanding. Let, let me give you uh, one or two passages here from Ephesians where this same word is used. In uh, first in chapter two, Ephesians two. So here, Paul says, we were once fulfilling the desires of the mind. So he's talking about our our volition, our will, our disposition, attitude, um, the way we think. Another example, still in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18, it's translated a little differently here. Um, or look at verse 17 first. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding. This time it's the word understanding here. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of ignorance that is in them, because the blindness of their heart. So here the translators translate the word understanding. So. We're, we're, again, we're talking about the way we think, our thinking, our understanding, what we will. You know, Paul speaks of the desire of the mind. Well, Jesus says that is to be totally, totally committed to the love of God. Love God with all your mind. And Paul talks about taking every thought captive, bringing bringing them into obedience to Christ. He calls them strongholds. Wrong-headed thinking is what he's talking about. Anti-God or anti-Christ thinking. Those are strongholds that Paul is saying we, we must bring down, we must bring into obedience to Christ. And it's a command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. That is the very the very core of your being. It doesn't flow from the surface. surface, true, genuine love for God comes from deep within us, the very heart of who we are. And love God with all your soul so that everything is engaged, not just your activity. I mean, that you show up and go to church and that you do good deeds and all that. But that's your but that your emotions are engaged so that you have affection, what Jonathan Edwards called religious affections. You have affections for God. You love God. He's your delight. Love Him with all your soul. And love Him with all your mind so that your thinking Is captured by God, so that He's the the focus of your thinking, so that your understanding is taken over by God. So much so that you that you view all things differently than you once did, and that's that's what again Paul is describing, by the way, in Philippians two or Ephesians two rather. You know, we we were dead in trespasses and sin. That's why we walked. According to the desires of the flesh and of the mind, uh, the, the natural mind. But now you've been made alive, Paul says. So now our minds should be consumed with love for God. Again, it's a way of saying I think all that Jesus is saying is that you should love God with all of your being. Everything within you should be totally committed to the love of God. Or, as again, as MacArthur puts it determined, determined care for God. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That is with everything in your being. And if if that's right, if that's the right interpretation, then ask yourself, Do I do that? Do I love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind? Well, Jesus says that's the first and greatest commandment. That's number one. That's the priority. But He doesn't stop there. And the question was, what is the great commandment? It's interesting, by the way, that He doesn't stop there. And I think that's because the second one, though it is second, it is so important. And he takes the opportunity to drive this point home, even though, uh, you know, even though the question didn't include, Lord, what are, what are the first two uh, the commandments? He says, now, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And this time he's quoting from Leviticus 19.18. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. As yourself. It's the second commandment. The second one in priority is is like the first one. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, what does he mean by that? This is what we call the golden golden rule, right? What does it mean? Love your neighbor. As yourself, what would, be a, what would be a way, this is not rhetorical, somebody wants to answer this, what, what would be a way of, of an example of loving your neighbor as yourself? It can be anything, I'm not looking for some specific thing. Anybody want to take a shot at that? Pray for, pray for them? Amen, that's good, yeah. I definitely want you praying for me, so that would be a good thing for me to do for you, is pray for you, right? Love you as, as I want to be loved. Anybody else? Help them in need. Amen. Amen. Care for them. That's right. That's right. Treat them the way you want to be treated, right? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And again, I think that the two things still apply here as far as action and affection. Now, I know uh, you, you, you can't... Uh, make yourself have have a uh, sometimes a favorable feeling or you know especially we we tend to think of love as being some kind of you know mushy thing and and you just can't work that up with everybody right but why why can't even with our enemies why can't we have loving compassion like like Christ Has For us, one story that always seems to come to mind when I think about this is Corrie Ten Boom, when years after she had been in a concentration camp, uh, you know, she was spent, I guess, the rest of her life uh, traveling around and speaking about her experiences during World War II and her time in concentration camp and so forth, where uh, if you don't, if you're not familiar with the story, uh, she was there for hiding Jews. She was not a Jew, but she was there because she was caught hiding Jews. Uh, in Austria. Uh, Austria or Holland? I believe it was Austria. At, at any rate, um, so she spent time in a concentration camp. Well, years later, as she's speaking somewhere, she sees this man coming toward her. He's coming, you know, people would come up and shake hands and stuff. And uh, she, I, I'm assuming she had written the book by this time. I'm not sure, but um, she sees this man coming toward her and recognizes him as one of the guards from the concentration camp. And he came up to her, and I I don't remember if he had become a Christian. I I assume he did, or he probably wouldn't have been there. But he did apologize. He came up to her and asked for her forgiveness and and reached out his hand. And and anyway, the story, and I certainly can't tell it like her, but she just talks about in those few seconds or whatever it was, the struggle she had. Because she's thinking to herself, "I, I I can't forgive this man. But, you know, then, uh, I mean, she does. And she reaches out and grabs his hand, uh, no doubt (laughs) empowered empowered by God, God's grace. So, I I don't think she felt a a, a gushy feeling for this guy. That had been, you know, even though he was apologizing. But, let's just say he was... Even unrepentant, it would seem that we could have compassion on him, right? Because of his lost state. And I'm sure, uh, and I think later did, her heart you know, did go out to him. Um, you, the affection can be there, even in, in situations that we think are impossible. So again, it's a combination of, of, of affection and action. But I would say this, like we're commanded to do. If, if you see somebody naked, clothe them. Hungry, feed them. I mean, you don't have to wait until you get a feeling, right? You see the need, just do it. Like Brother Ron said, just meet the need. Why? Well, that's because that's what you would want them to do for you. And I think this also applies too, and that is that it should not all be reactive. I mean, we've got a great story, and that is appropriate, by the way. We've got a great story of that in the story of the Good Samaritan, don't we? Here's a man that's robbed and beaten, basically left for dead, and... Jesus says in the parable where long comes a, a, a priest, a, a Levite, both of them pass the guy up. Of all people, you would think they would help, right, and have compassion. God's servants, God's ministers, but they don't. They just go to the other side of the street and pass the guy up, a, a Jew, a fellow Jew. But then here comes a Samaritan. Samaritans don't even like Jews, and Jews don't like Samaritans. And here comes a Samaritan... Takes the guy up, doctors him up, gets him a room and a inn, pays for it, takes care of him. That's kind of a reaction to a situation, and it's, and it's appropriate. And Jesus is telling us, do the same thing. Go and do likewise. That's doing unto others as you want them to do to you. Or that is, in, is as it is worded here, loving your neighbor as yourself. In other words, if you were in that situation, of that man, you would want somebody to be compassionate on you and, and do for you. So Jesus is saying, "Go do that." But I think it also applies proactively. I mean, we well, we all like to be uh, kind of pleasantly surprised, don't we? Uh, so so we can turn that around and try to think of ways that we can just bless others. I mean, I get blessed by people all the time, and it's 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 it's. it's tremendous blessing. Sometimes as simple, and although I don't take this lightly, I don't think it's not... But sometimes just as simple as somebody saying, uh, you know, I pray for you. That's a tremendous blessing to me. So, uh, so that if, if that's what I consider good and loving, then I should do that to others, right? Or something that would bless them equally. I can talk about Sheila since she's not here tonight. But, you know, Sheila just... Sheila will just bless you. I mean, she she sends out these cards. Uh, sometimes it's just nothing else than the Lord's leading. And, you know, she'll write you a card and send it to you. Or she knows it's your birthday. <laughs> or she knows you're going through some struggle or something and she just send you a word of encouragement. And that blesses me. <laughs> I, I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> Amen, she does she does, and it's a tremendous, tremendous blessing now uh so in return, what I could do the same thing right i could I could love others as I like to be loved, love your neighbor as yourself um doesn't necessarily have to be the exact same thing, but just do something that blesses them like that thing blesses like that particular thing blesses me. One other thing on this 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 is a high standard right You shall love your neighbor as yourself, and we don 't even do that and and by the way it 's interesting too that jesus Jesus assumes we love ourselves <laughs> I think that's pretty universal. I don't think that's the problem. He doesn't command us, you know, love yourself. I mean that 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 already just that just happens. So he has to command us to love others. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's a high standard and we don't even live up to that. But you know, he he takes it he even higher than that. He raises the bar even more than that. Cuz I think about this sometimes and I think, okay, love 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 others as I love myself. Maybe I could uh, maybe there is somebody out there that doesn't love themselves, Or maybe I could say, well, you know what, I just don't love myself very much, and therefore, uh, that's why I don't love you very much, and I've got a good excuse. You know, I mean, he just said love as I love myself, and I don't love myself very much, so, I'm, so I can get away with not loving you very much. But he also says that we're to love one another as he loved us. Now that's, that's the ultimate, that's the highest. And and you can't get away from that one. Love one another as He loved us. So, here, here are the two primary commands. Top priority. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. That is the very core of your being. Love the Lord your God with all your soul. That is all of your emotions, everything within you engaged. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your mind. That is, He has captivated your thinking. Your thinking is God-centered, Christ-centered, engaged in worship. Yes, you can worship with your mind, thinking. In other words, love the Lord your God with everything that is within you. And the second is like, like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And remember remember John, uh, MacArthur's definition for, for the, uh, the word love here, at least in the Hebrew, a determined care. Keep that in mind here as well too. Have a determined care for your neighbor. Seek to do them good. Be, be, um, be intentional about it. Be determined... To do them good, just like you would want to have good done to you. Love them as you love yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. That's that's quite a quite a statement. It's all it's all summed up. These two commandments. You say you keep the law. You say you take heed to the voice of the prophets. Well, the real test is right here. Do you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Is that your top priority? Do you love your neighbor as yourself? Is that top priority next to loving God first? On those two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. I'm going to close with just a little bit from... Romans here if you go to Romans 12 with me. And Paul says essentially the same thing over here. But I want to read through some of this. <clears throat> See where I want to start here. Let's start in verse 9. <clears throat> Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. Distributing to the needs of the saints. Given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind On high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome. Evil with good. Do you see how those things work out there? The affection and compassion and the action. And look at chapter 13, verse 8. Oh, no one anything except to love one another. He who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. What's the great commandment? Love. Love. And if we had time, there's, I'd, I'd read through 1 Corinthians 13. You want to see a, a description of love, um, another description of love, read 1 Corinthians 13. What does God command us to do? Love. Love Him with all of your being. And love one another. Love your neighbor as yourself and love one another as Christ loved us. Would you stand please? This sermon is made available through the ministry of Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our desire is to faithfully proclaim the message of salvation which God has provided in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. For more resources and information, please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org. You may use the links there to contact us or write us at Fillmore Baptist Church, 6304 Highway 80, Princeton, Louisiana, 71067.